With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 92. Let's roll. And uh, here we are this week uh, on the heels of an outstanding episode last week with with Josh Larkey. Had a ton of fun with Josh, and uh, I know you all loved it. Uh, got a lot of feedback on the show. And uh, heard it was a good one. So hopefully this one will live up to it. Uh, I uh, Last year, I had my my guest on from this week. And I, it was my favorite show. I got to be honest. I had the most fun. We debated. Well, we didn't really debate. We just found out that Michael Jordan was better than LeBron James uh, during that show. And, uh, and so I've got my guest on uh, this week. And we're going to be doing... Uh, Boston Celtics versus Golden State Warriors for two and a half hours. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to talk fantasy football, believe it or not. So without further ado, I'm going to bring my boy out. Y'all know him, Mr. Nate Liss. You can find him on Twitter at an outraged Jew. What a, what a, what a tagline. <laughs> Nate Liss, what's going on, buddy? It never it never gets old hearing it tumble from the lips of other people. It just... <laughs> I mean, I I have heard some of the some of the biggest people say it, and it kill every time. Like you can just see the the deep breath. I'm really gonna say this, and then they say, and it. there it goes. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. think I came in pre cancellation, so I'm grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah pre me too uh, tagline there. <laughs> yeah, I'm safe. So yeah. yeah, man, thanks for thanks for having me on. Couldn't help but notice I wasn't brought on for the hundredth episode, so that's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, no, no, we've got you on there for the hundredth episode. Absolutely good. Good. Hey, you know, at least you weren't on for the 69th. You know what I mean? I kind of um, would have liked to have been on for both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, you know, maybe if you got some free time, you're you're welcome to join anytime. You know, I love you. So I say it all the time. You know, uh, Nate does the Sonic Truth uh, Dynasty show with Matt Kelly. We had Matt Kelly on the show. Uh, really awesome uh, show as well. And, you know, I always tell everybody that uh, Nate is such a big, big part of that show. Uh, Matt's craziness and Nate just sort of settles right in there and plays his role and does so, so well. I love that show. I'm sure a lot of people, most people listening to this show, listen to that show. So awesome show. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. We've been going on for, uh, man, I want to say it's six years now, five or six years. So quite a while. Um, I don't think it's the longest dynasty podcast uh, in existence, but uh, we've been doing it a while, man, and it continues to grow. And yeah, just glad people enjoy it. Yeah, I do. It's a great show, so definitely check it out. Definitely check out Nate on well, all over the place. I mean, he's on YouTube and everything. He's uh, yeah. he's he's doing some got some hot new stuff coming out. So just keep an eye on 
on uh, an outraged Jew. You know, just keep an, an eye on that uh, for your very, very best fantasy content. That's where to go. You know, anytime I'm Googling something, that's what I uh, that's what I start with right there. That's good. Yeah. Dave, I want to wipe your browser history, but I appreciate it, man. I, we, like you said, we had fun last year. When, when was the last time I was on here? It was just before, um, it was just before the draft last year. Okay. Okay. It was just before the draft. And you had admitted to me that you had only been on like three podcasts and that yes. I was like one of your first. So I really, no, I'm joking. You, you, you yeah. did say though, that you weren't on a lot of guest shows, which I was, you know, flummoxed by. Cause you, since, since the podcast I did with you, I'm almost certain I have not featured on another podcast. Dead serious. Oh, it's true love. God, not, yeah, this is, this is, I'm, I'm a recluse, man. So yeah, you know, you get me in spurts. True love. I love this. Well, <laughs> you know, so did you come on to make sure that you told the world that I was right about MJ? No, I actually came on to dispute it. It's why I'm wearing the King James shirt right now with the crown. Uh, listen, MJ never did what LeBron has done. And it's so funny that we you know, go forward a year now and we see what he's done this year at what age 38. And the guy's still absolutely dominating. I mean, come on. He's an ageless wonder. Yeah, I think we I think we can agree that the the durability of LeBron James is probably something that we'll never see ever again. I, and I mean that like in the sport of basketball, it's, I mean, Carl Malone was close. Kareem was, was there, but like, I mean the way that LeBron plays, the amount of usage he gets and the way that he's been able to dominate straight through this age is, is really something that I think it has not been approached by very many players, if at all. No, I mean, you're not, this is why he's the greatest of all time, because he can do these things. He's not fading at the end of his career. I mean, this is good to see. This is, this is what being a goat looks like. Yeah. If only he were a better basketball player at his apex (laughs) than Michael Jordan was, then we can have that conversation. But Pete Jordan was number one. No, we're not going to go here. We're not going to do this. I do. But, um, you know, I did mention the (laughs) the Larky pod. Hey, my Celts are down three to two. The only good thing I've got though is that the the Golden State? Did you see this? The Golden State Warriors actually uh, banned fake Clay Thompson yeah. for life. Well, because he got past five security guards and made his way to the court and did like a shoot around, didn't he? Right. Well, shouldn't they ban those security guards now? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't, dude, he doesn't look like, he looks like microwave Clay Thompson. He has no, like, no basketball fan would buy that shit. No way. Yeah. How the fuck did, the five security breaches are the things that are concerning, not the fat Clay Thompson, the fake yeah. one that came in and missed a bunny. Like, don't worry about him. Yeah. He's a no, fan. No, it's good. I, I remember somehow coming across this guy on Instagram because he is a bit of a phenomenon. I mean, he... He's like 68% Clay Thompson. I mean, the, the right. face, you know, he's, he's close, Yes, but, but they're not the same. And no. I, I remember seeing him before and he was like out on the street and he was signing autographs as if he was Clay Thompson. Right. It's like, I don't know if it's a bit or he really enjoys it, but it's ridiculous. Well, I don't think that, I don't think Clay Thompson dresses like Clay Thompson in his spare time. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this guy comes point. dressed in the <laughs> uniform of Clay Thompson. That's not yes. what Clay Thompson dresses like. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh, look, Clay showed up in his game uni just to fucking, you know, straight, <laughs> yeah, that's a great straight off the street, you know? Yeah. No, I never thought about that. That's so true. Why would Clay Thompson be wearing his own jersey out in public? <laughs> right. I'm here, coach. All, all dressed up. Just came straight from the house, you know? That's a great point. Got out of the Bentley and just rolled oh, in. Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Speaking of nailing it, hey, 
last week Larky was on and uh, you know, we ended on the, on the Kansas city chiefs mm. and I had some things I wanted to say, but mm. Larky was like, can I do my monologue on the chiefs? And I just let him go. Yeah. And, and that was kind of how we ended the show. And, and I started to think, man, I really wanted to, uh, I wanted to say some things about the, the, the chiefs. So we'll start right there with the, with the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. You know, I think when we look at these these uh, these fantasy football uh, solutions, right? If we're trying to figure out the the what the hell is going to happen and, and what we're how we're going to beat the system, right? You know what I mean? How we're going to beat it? I look to these good offenses. You know, last week we talked about Denver and you know which which offense. I think the Kansas City Chiefs is one of those that if you can solve the Chiefs, you might have a leg up, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know you got Juju, Sky, MVS, Mecole, obviously Kelsey, but in those pass, in the pass game, which one of those weapons do you think has the the best season? In other words, you know, which guy do you think uh, sort of surprises or steps forward? I mean, obviously Kelsey is number one, of right? Course. There's undoubtedly so he's he's excluded from this conversation. Um, I actually think that it's going to be Juju Smith um, mm. next year. I think the way that we saw Tyreek Hill used um, out of the slot in a 35 to 42% rate, um, I think that's obviously where Juju's going to play. He's going to maintain that slot position based on the players that we've seen brought in. Uh, I, I actually think that Sky Moore does end up more outside if he's given a chance because Juju's going to lock this position down regardless of what his contract looked like, which – he may have signed one of the worst contracts that anybody signed all offseason, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you you say it, right? But I, I think what we're – I agree with you. So, Larky last week was all about Sky Moore, and trust me, I'm a very, very big Sky Moore fan. I've taken him over the likes of Jamison Williams and Chris Olave in certain spots in rookie drafts. Um, I don't know about the league we're in together. I don't think I – I don't remember, but – uh, but either way, I love Sky Moore. And, uh, you know, but I do think that I think it's Juju this year. I agree, man. Juju, um, let, let, let me let me share this with you. So in Juju's career, right? Mm-hmm. So in his career, all games, whether it was with good Ben or bad Ben, whether he's playing alongside Antonio Brown or alongside uh, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, you know, he's played with some some really good target magnets uh, op- opposite of him. He's he's basically seven and a half targets per game. His career. Yeah. So the good years and the bad years, the hurt years, the good, all of it, his rookie season, throw it all in a blender, seven and a half per game. If he gets seven and a half targets per game this year, that puts him at about 125 to 130 targets in a Patrick Mahomes offense. I don't see any reason why he won't see that type of target number. And if he does, I mean, what are we really expecting? I mean, I think we're looking close to a hundred catches and a a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, I really think Juju look, unless he completely falls on his face, I really think Juju is going to have a, a a positive EV season for those that drafted him at whatever value you drafted him at. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy. What's going to get lost in the minutiae here is people are going to look at his yards per reception over the last two years and forget that what happened is Juju got stuffed into a role in Pittsburgh. Okay, Big Ben's arm completely deteriorated and, you know, his time to throw wasn't there and they had to make plays quick and everybody had a role. Juju's was short. Deontay's was a little deeper. Claypool's was all the way downfield. And that's what it was. Yep. 
And so he was crammed into this position. It's not that Juju necessarily got any worse. I mean, you can go back to 2020, you know, one of his last healthy seasons, number 13 yards after the catch, 3.0 yards after the catch per target, which is an absolute dog crap. That's a decent amount to get out of him. So I don't think that he's burnt. Also, he's the most decorated receiver on this team by a wide, wide margin. I'm not even sure. Wide margin. It's close. Um, So when I think about this roster as a whole, and I do like Sky more, the one thing is if if Juju doesn't get extended, then MVS is the only receiver on this roster with Sky more in 2023. So that's the way that it's set up right now. So if your argument is the long play, it might be Sky Moore, but agreed. Who's to say that if Juju has a great year, that he doesn't get a four-year, sixty-six million dollar extension? Right, that's very possible. I mean, why wouldn't they? If, if if Mahomes likes him and you know they they succeed with him, uh, what better home could he find than that? And you're right, man. You know, Juju. If you go back to seventeen and and all uh, through twenty twenty one, he his yards per target decreased every single season. But again, if you take his career yards per target, 8.2, I mean, look, man, if he gets, you know, 120 to 130 targets at eight or nine yards per target, and I don't think we, I don't think there's a possibility of him getting, you know, what what was he like four or five last year? I mean, that's not happening, you know, in a Patrick Mahomes offense. I mean, shit, the fullback's going to get more than five yards per per target in a, in a Patrick Mahomes offense. So I agree with you. I think I think Juju's in for a big season. Look, at, at, at the very least, if you close your eyes and think about it, he's going to be the alpha in the locker room at the wide receiver position. It's not like he's going to come in there thinking he's the man. So right. if he can perform at all, he's going to lock that up. He's going to have to really, really fall on his face to be, uh, you know, to be out of favor in that in that offense. Don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and like you said, Patrick Mahomes, they're not going to try to just pull off these short passes to Juju. And I'm not sure that that's what good Juju is. Good Juju isn't a get him in space player. You know, that's not really part of Juju's game. Um, You know, he he can get open and when the ball's in his hands, he is good after the catch. But Juju's a lot more crafty than I think he's even given credit for. And everybody always says he needs an alpha on the other side. He needs an alpha on the other side. It's hard to find a guy that produced like he did over those couple years and even compare him or qualify that statement to anybody. Like, you know, everybody throws that back at Juju and go, well, he's nothing without Antonio Brown. It's like, well, no, that's not true because he had productive seasons way beyond Antonio Brown. Um, But the point is that when we look at his production as a whole, he's the best player on this team. They very clearly signed him to be the guy. And Kansas City was tied to him last year. They wanted him last year and they couldn't get him because he went back to Pittsburgh for that one-year deal. Yes. Here you go. Now he goes to KC finally. Yeah, and I think if you just sort of think about what the roles are that they're going to play on this team, it's like, you know, Kelsey, we already know what he is. He's basically the slot, but kind of the tight end slot, right? I mean, you know, we understand. And Blake Bell will play tight end when Kelsey is specifically in the, you know, in a three-wide slot. But, you know, MVS and Mecole will take turns running wind sprints, right? They're going to run down the field and try and clear it out. I mean, almost literally, they'll be the stretch. And then, you know, Juju's going to be that primary alpha target. And Sky Moore is going to play, you know, as he can, you know, get accustomed. I mean, you know, I think he's going to play a lot if he's good early. But it, I think it's going to be, you know, that's going to be your sort of your roles. Uh, you know, and I think that's what does push Sky outside 
Um, yeah, maybe he'll play some slot here and there, you know, but I think for the most part, you're right. I think you're going to see Sky more on the outside. So look, I, I love this team. You've got to be really excited. Finally, CEH is going to take off for you. Am I right? Sorry. <laughs> I Well, I would say that this is the year as somebody who's not the biggest Ronald Jones fan right. in the world. Um, you know, it's, it's, Obviously, we had the huge debate once upon a time, Jonathan Taylor versus Clyde Edwards. Still yet to be determined, I believe. I don't think we've really sorted that one out quite yet. But no, let's let's have that now. What do we think? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, Yeah, let's settle it. So, no, I think that this is a great – this is a great situation for Clyde Edwards. What the question for me with Clyde Edwards is, is is the passing game usage – ever going to be there. We thought he was going to get used in this elite passing game role. You know, Brian Westbrook, Jamal Charles, all these other names come up and it never manifested itself, but there's also never been a time where the weapons around Patrick Mahomes were as weak as they are right now. And again, that's not necessarily a knock to any number of these players. I mean, for instance, Miko Hartman, he's known as a deep threat. The guy has never had a season with over 650 air yards. He had as many deep targets as Byron Pringle last year, who I think had 30 less targets. I mean, I don't know what the guy is, right? So we don't know what he is and we know. Well, he's a bust. That's what he is. There's no doubt. He's a bust. Absolutely. And MVS is clearly the deep threat. Yes. uh, You know, in this offense, Um, I know you saw me tweet it the other day as I was looking up some stuff, but you know, he was number one in average depth of target last year and the year prior and number five, the year before that. So, There hasn't been a guy in the league that's been used on a target basis deeper down the field than MVS has on average over the last three years. Um, But Clyde Edwards, man, you know, there's not a lot of great things that I can necessarily say about the production that we've seen last year. 40% 40 of his outings resulted in basically 15.5 or more fantasy points. It's basically four out of 10. What does that mean for him this year? Well, he's clearly coming in as the guy. Ronald Jones isn't necessarily the biggest threat in the world, so yeah. there is some confidence. Yeah, I think MVS, I think you're right. I think he's a great best ball dynasty play or you know, best ball play in general, yeah. but also a deep, like the the league we play in, he's a great deep uh, you know, flex uh, because you know he'll give you some spike weeks and help you win some weeks. So I like MVS in that way. Uh, probably won't be any sort of a top 36 or 48 you know, wide receiver on a consistent basis, but he'll have some spike weeks as WR1, WR2. So yeah, he, he's certainly startable in some, in, in certain leagues. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move on a little bit uh, in terms of Mahomes. I mean, a lot of people I feel like are, you know, uh, sort of getting Mahomes fatigue. And I think a lot of people are thinking that Mahomes, uh, some of his success was tied to Tyreek Hill. And now that he's gone, they see him taking a step back. You know, they saw the playoff struggles with the Swiss cheese offensive line, whatever the case might be. Right. Um, And so now they're sort of falling away off of Mahomes as the quarterback one in dynasty. I think that's been taken over by Josh Allen. Are you ready to have Herbert pass him? So Mahomes or Herbert in dynasty, obviously super flex. Who's your QB two or is Mahomes still your QB one at all? Uh, I think I think Mahomes is still in the, the QB2 conversation. You know, it's not really apples to apples here since Justin Herbert's also still on a rookie deal, right? So yeah. what, what's happened with Mahomes is he's – look where Tyreek went because he wasn't going to get paid the money that he wanted. Right. And this is what happens when you have to make these decisions and build around your team. Um, you know, on the surface, of course, it looks like Herbert has the better weapons, and he does. Eckler is better than CEH. Mike Williams is better than MVS. Keenan Allen is better than Juju. I mean, there's no doubt. It's three for three. He's got them all. But the problem is, you know, 
when does Keenan fall off? I know we're going to talk about that in the future. Mike Williams, what's the stability of him? He's been incredibly boom bust over his career. Austin Eckler's crossed the age apex or beginning to. And then as soon as we have to start paying Justin Herbert, which is basically two years from now or three years, what happens at that point? So for the next few years, they're close, but I would still prefer Patrick Mahomes, a guy that's played deep into the playoffs, won a Super Bowl, been incredibly productive over the five years that he's been in the league with or without Tyree Kill. Yeah, I, I I was on the clock at the 1.02 in a startup, uh, thought about trading it and ended up taking Mahomes, yeah. uh, only considered Herbert or Mahomes there. And, uh, you know, it was a thought. So I, I know it's at least that close because on the clock I was... I was tempted to to push the button for Herbert because he is just such a stud. But Mahomes is, I mean, he's unbelievable. So I'm with you there. Moving to the Chargers, though, you know, you mentioned Eckler. And, and, and there's, you know, I know Matt has said this a couple of times that Eckler was basically calling for some running back help in that room so that he could not have to take a lot of those empty carries. And now they bring in uh, Isaiah Spiller, mm-hmm. um, you know, and whether we like Isaiah Spiller or not as a prospect, we have to understand that opportunity is staring him in the face in terms of how much, who knows. Uh, as far as how much we think it is, do you think that adding Isaiah Spiller helps or hurts Eckler for 2022? I think it I think it helps. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the only issue that we might see is uh, touchdowns, right? Because th- yep. this is the wide range of touchdowns. We've seen it with Derrick Henry. We've seen it with Alvin Kamara. Now we're going to see it with Austin Eckler. He's not repeating 20 touchdowns. He went... Nope. 11, three years ago, then three, then 20. So he's not going to see that again. So the touchdown variance was going to happen anyway. So if we see Spiller take some touchdowns, so be it. But we've also seen Austin Eckler play incredibly well, you know, uh, know, number nine overall or top six overall with just 130 or so rush attempts. He doesn't need the 200 plus rush attempts. In fact, he's so much better as a pass catcher. So if that role, and I doubt Spiller sees the same level of targets or even close per game to Eckler, that's where the bread and butter is, right? That's where his value is. So I'm not scared of Spiller being there. In fact, you know, plus with the later round draft capital and the questions about will he be good or bad anyways, I know some of our friends in the industry like him, I was never never necessarily on him. Um, so I think it's good for Eckler. I think taking some of the beating off of him, a player who, by the way, I mean, you could argue no running back in the league takes care of himself better than Eckler does. And I've kind of had this theory for a long time that this is going to be one of these guys that has this career that persists a little longer than I think we've given him credit for. Totally. So even though I make the statement that he's crossing the age apex because he literally is – He's one of the guys that I would make an argument for that he will play well beyond it. Yeah. Hey, Nate, this is a Michael P. Duncan take that I stole. But um, yeah, he 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 agrees. And he had made this take uh, last year. He said, you know, when Eckler finally sort of like loses his grip as an alpha back, which he is right now, right? He's the mm-hmm. lead back. When he loses that grip, won't he just be like James White, J.D. McKissick? Like yes. somewhere? Yes. Like, right? Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to age, quote unquote, gracefully as a backup PPR player. Yes. And that, that's kind of that's kind of where I feel like, you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to end up. And some yeah. of these other guys that just have this 
sophisticated skill set as a pass catcher. They're yeah. more than just a guy that just takes dump offs out of the backfield. Right, they, exactly. They're lining up outside. It's a more sophisticated approach to how they're having them run routes. Um, so I think that's a great point. I think guys like Aaron Jones have kind of proved it as well. I think Aaron Jones, his physicality and the amount of carries that he's seen over the years may be more of a detriment to him. And I don't know what his future is, but also, I'm not sure that Eckler leaving this team is necessarily the, the future outcome. Again, right. with Herbert on the deal that he's on, there's no reason for Eckler to necessarily leave this roster until, age, I, honestly, age 29. Yep. No, I agree. That's that's one of the things I, I do like about Eckler is he's sort of insulated by that pass game work. Yeah. And the more prolific this offense gets and the more competitive this division gets, which is insanity, yep. Um the, the more they're going to have to pass and the more they're going to want to pass. So I really like Eckler this year. I think you're right. The touchdown upside is not, it can't be 20. I mean, but the, the, the good thing was, and my criticism going into last year was that Eckler didn't get goal line touches, you know, and last year he did. So it shows me I'm a fucking idiot. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that it, they showed that they actually did trust him last yeah. year, which means that they should trust him again, going forward this year. The dude's a hell of a player. Like you say, he's he's well put together. He was just under 200 pounds coming into the league. I think he's probably, you know, 200 to 210, somewhere in there because he's he's a solid dude. He's taking great care of his body. And I don't, I mean, knock on wood, but I don't see him going anywhere too soon unless he gets something pretty devastating. So I'm with you with Eckler. You know, I, I traded Eckler, excuse me, I traded like Najee Harris for Eckler in like two spots. Uh, this offseason because, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking Eckler might start to decline, this and that. They're only like four months apart anyway. Yeah, they're they're closer in age than you think. But, you know, Najee, you know, going into a a questionable situation, you know, I got Eckler plus in both trades. I really liked it. I think it helps me this year. And like I said, long term, I think Eckler kind of hangs on as a as a B back in this league. But uh, speaking of of B's to their A's, you know, we've got, as you mentioned, um, Mike Williams, who I think actually might be the one A in this offense this coming season. And Keenan Allen taking a little bit of a backseat. He's had some some, uh, you know, soft tissue injuries over the over the course of his career. So he scares me just a skosh. And if that happens again, does does Josh Palmer take a meaningful step forward this year or we maybe a year too early on the on the Palmer train? Um, you know, I don't think we're a year too early. I think with the deal that Keenan signed and the production that we've seen from him, I mean, still one of the best players in the league currently in terms of dynasty. I think he's being ranked about wide receiver 30 range, um, which is still pretty good. But again, this is a guy that was number one in total route wins last year against all forms of coverage. So it's not like, you know, we've seen him decline in terms of a yards after the catch ability, but even if Keenan Allen is a run up field, catch the ball and fall guy, he's still getting the target share. He's still winning the routes. He's still being targeted. Um, I think that we could see a certain, you know, a definite step forward from Palmer. I mean, last year only had three games where he had greater than a 60% snap share, but in all those outings, top 32 finishes every game over 14.5 fantasy points. So, there was production there and you know, who better to kind of learn from than you know, Mike Williams, who's this explosive player that's had his hurdles. And then of course, Keenan Allen, who's one of the better receivers. And honestly, we've seen in the league in a long time. I think that Palmer is a really sneaky play as a third round guy. That's, you know, kind of just been under the radar. But again, when we get to the end of Keenan Allen's contract, when we get to the point where Herbert is starting to approach that point where he can ask for that extension, which I think is just two years from now, um, it may be, again, a business decision where, you know, the, the Keenan's time has kind of come to an end. He's 
32 at that point, maybe pushing 33, who knows? Mike Williams, who knows? And maybe Palmer is the guy that kind of ascends here. But to be quite honest with you, the likelihood of that, Hmm. of him as a third-round guy behind these two guys for the next couple years, ascending to be the guy two years from now or three years from now is very low probability. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you, you said it with Keenan Allen. I mean, since 2017, five years straight, right? So he's he's had uh, at least 140 targets four out of five years, at yeah. least 100 catches four out of five years, and at least 1,100 yards four to five years, and at least six or more touchdowns in every single season. And, and, and you know, I mean, his non-hundred yard catch season was 97. So, I mean, he's basically been 140 plus targets, 100 catches, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns like clockwork Yes, for five straight years. And I wonder, you know, does that fall off now? Maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm I'm crazy because it's going to be his 30-year-old season. But you're right. He doesn't win with like pure athleticism. He wins with with technique and you know, he's just a hell of a football player. As you point out his win rate and everything like that. So hopefully he can do it for one more year, especially for those rostering him in dynasty. And and that's kind of the, that brings me to my next question with Keenan Allen. It's like at some point, you know, the ride comes to an end, right? You know, yeah, it just does yeah. every player, you know, it's like, and it doesn't all happen, you know, terribly. It might just be like, he gets 120 targets, 80 catches and 800 yards or something. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, he was good. He's really good. He's still good, but it's gonna it's gonna fade off at some point. When it could be this year, maybe not. But if you had to in dynasty, would you trade Keenan Allen straight up for Gabe Davis? No, Ooh, I, I wouldn't. It. No, I, I wouldn't. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are really on the Gabe Davis train, and I think Gabe Davis is a. Uh, is a fine player, but again, to to go to the stretches to trade a guy that's a, a prolific talent and Keenan Allen, who's going to continue to give you a great fantasy season this year. None of us know if if next year he still doesn't turn in a top twenty season. Maybe maybe in his, maybe three years from now is when we start to see that you know, wide receiver 28, 35 type season where maybe he phases out, but. The, the thing with Gabe Davis, I, you know me, I don't put a lot of stock into these guys that are later round picks, fourth round guy pushing fifth round option. I realize he finally sort of had this breakout ascension in this one big playoff game. I know that we saw his career kind of really begin to take off in only the last six weeks last year because that's when he finally started to see a snap share that was really a true honest opportunity over 80% yeah. in what, five of the six games, yep. had a couple big performances uh, I wouldn't make the trade personally because I just think Keenan Allen has something left in the tank and I'm just not completely sold on Gabe Davis. And would anybody be surprised if he has a decent year this year, an average year, and then in the second round next year, the Buffalo Bills go out and draft a wide receiver and Stephon Diggs is still here and all of a sudden it's like, oh, mm-hmm. Gabe Davis, the value just fell off a cliff. Yeah, I agree. I've said this a bunch of times about all players. I mean, speaking of uh, getting things right, if you go back to last year's show, me and you had a lot of cool stuff that we absolutely nailed. Like, dude, the James Robinson stuff we had last year. Oh, my God. We you literally I think it was you. You were like ETN would be just bonkers if they took him late first. And I I just listened back. I was like, dude, we called it. But anyway, (laughs) uh, it was just so much fun. Uh, I I just love that show. Um, But you're you're right. I, I always say with like players like Gabe Davis, it's like, unless you're insulated by a contract or draft capital, 
you're fragile. Period. Yes. That's the that's the fucking deal, man. It's why Jalen Hurts is a, a question, you know, as a second round pick, doesn't have a contract yet. Nobody knows. It, that's just the way it goes, man. That's just the way it goes in this league, no matter what. And and James Robinson was a was a was a key example of that. But Gabe Davis is in that situation. Now, he could go off this year, earn himself a contract, and yes. then he's a player, and then he's a guy, and then he's a thing. I agree. Yeah. Or he could disappoint this year and become absolutely eviscerated and just become another guy. Those are the range of outcomes. I agree that the the Gabe Davis sort of litmus test here isn't, you know, it's it's like it's a big swing of range of outcomes. I, I will I will grant that. You know, I, I think I tweeted. You'll appreciate this. I think I, I said uh, Gabe Davis's floor is like maybe like Kendrick Bourne or oh I don't know twenty twenty one Gabe Davis. You know what I mean? Like literally, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? you know exactly like, right exactly yeah yeah it's uh you know with with davis man okay here's a question for you this is this is not on the show sheet but i'll just pose this to you his relative value right now is about that of brandon Ayuk. yeah and so of those two players nerf gun to the head brandon Ayuk, gabe davis which player would you prefer I got you know what's crazy? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that I have Gabe Davis uh ranked higher in my dynasty rankings than mm. Brandon Ayuk. But let me tell you, Nate, th- this has like been my most uh rostered player, uh, I think, other than Julius Chestnut is like Gabe Davis. Uh, uh <laughs> which is true, by the way. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it, God bless me. I mean, I just pick up Julius Chestnut off waivers in every single league after the draft. It's like, all right, just give him to me, I'll just take him. Anyway. But listen, like Gabe Davis is like one of my, if not the most uh, rostered players in Dynasty. And I don't think I ever paid any, I never paid any of this value that we're talking. Like I never had to trade fucking Ayuk form or nothing like that. It was like third and fourth round rookie picks, you know, late um, Dynasty startup picks. Like, you know, it's just, I've just gotten him as like, you know, just, I don't know. I've gotten him at value in every single spot. I do really like him. I think he's a good player. But I'm also because I'm you know the quote unquote ready to be wrong. I'm also perfectly okay if he's not good. Like it's like oh fucking hey, who cares? You know, like I'm not like married to it where like I've so heavily invested. So while I do think Gabe Davis, I would rather have than Brandon Ayuk. Um, I don't know that I've had to spend that type of capital if that makes sense. Sure. I just think that Gabe Davis's upside is huge, and here's the reasons I've said this. It's like. The, the, the quarterback who targets wide receivers more than any other quarterback in the NFL is Josh Allen. Josh Allen now has Steph Diggs, who's 150 targets, fucking lock it in, put it in fucking black magic marker. He loves him. Yep. Um, that's going to happen. But that's like a lot more targets to somebody else. And if you're telling me like, oh, Jamison Crowder is going to get 150 targets out of the slot this year. I don't know, bro. That that doesn't sound right. You know, I think Jamison Crowder will probably get 70% of what – Beasley was getting. I don't think that he's going to be the alpha. And I think that Gabe Davis is going to do the things that Emmanuel Sanders and Gabe Davis were doing. And to what extent that position, you know, opposite Steph Diggs, that Gabe Davis, I think probably plays 80% of those snaps to what extent that role dominates this year. I don't know, but I think it's somewhere between a hundred and 130 targets and probably a lot of touchdowns. Like that's what I think will happen. Now, you, think Gabe, the, yeah. you think Gabe Davis is between 100 and 130 targets? Yes. Okay. 
I do. And I know, what did he get like? What was he? Let me look here. I'm going to look it up because I think he was, you know, he's 600 yards yeah. two years straight. He was 60, 63 targets yeah. last year, 62 the year prior. 62 and 63 with like uh, yep. not playing, you know, it's yeah. like, yep. so yeah, I think, you know, I think his target, uh, his target rate was pretty good. Not great because he has a deep threat too. So, you know, his catch rate will be low, his yards per per catch will be high. His touchdown rate will be high. Just like I think he's been, you know, I think, you know, you pay so much attention to everything that that offense is doing. And all of a sudden Gabe Davis has, you know, the cornerback two on him in single coverage. And he's a good player. And I think he's a good downfield player. Um, so I think, you know, I think the floor is yes, yeah, 70, 80 targets. I mean, I see that, you know, I mean, it's like, oof, not a very good year and that, that won't be good. And I think the ceiling is some crazy thing like 150, but I don't think either of those two things is very reasonable. I think somewhere in the 95 to 135, more closely 105 to 120 right in there is yeah. what I believe he'll get. <clears throat> of course I could be fucking wrong. Well, I mean, I I will tell you, feel free to lock it in, but I think he's a guy that's probably looking at between 90 and 120 targets this year. That's that's my that's my range for him. And, you know, I think that he could finish reasonably well. I mean, he's a guy that's going to have variance, but here's the problem. And I I'm not really on the side of the whole variance argument. I had a big big counterpoint to Tyreek Hill who basically shit the bed on 70% of his games last year. But fantasy owners will cape up for Tyreek Hill all day. Well, until he went to Miami. So (laughs) the thing is I I'm all, I don't, I don't mind boom games, but the problem is if I'm getting boom games, I need them to come from a star player. I don't want boom games from a guy who's a fourth round pick that we don't know his contract situation. We don't know the future because sure, it's great that you're going to get the variance, but I don't know that Buffalo is going to appreciate that a year from now. Buffalo might be like, look, that's great to have, but we need a guy opposite Stefan Diggs that we can count on. Right. And you know, you could put, you know, when Jamison Crowder's days are done, you could put a much more bursty player in the slot to give you an explosive, whatever. But I I appreciate the talent, but I just don't invest in these guys. And the thing is his hype is only going to build from here. If we start hearing preseason and off season training and his name comes up, Oh oh my God, the connection. Like you're never going to make more money on Gabe Davis than you are right now. And if you think that Gabe Davis is a top 15 wide receiver, then you are fucking fooling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. No, that's crazy. I mean, it, of course not. No, I've got him. No, no. Yeah. That not would be crazy. you. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, wait. Not, you know, not you, but like Fuck. you, the listener. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, look, he, the fact of the matter is I, I think when here's the here's the thing for me is like when I comped him early on, like his rookie year, I said, I think he's like 80 percent Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. And that was when Kenny Galladay was good. And you know what? He kind of looked like that in that playoff game, didn't he? Didn't he look like good Kenny Galladay? So well, I think he was kind of what he is. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that blow-up game by Chris Matthews in Seattle versus New England? Four catches for 109 and a touchdown? The fuck are you talking about? Did you just compare Gabe Davis to fucking the guy from MSNBC? <laughs> is that the what is, ball guy? What is going on? This show is uh, off the rails if you think fucking Gabe Davis is like Chris Matthews. Well, he would be lucky to have a career like Chris Matthews. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. Who invited this guy? I don't remember. I don't remember saying I liked you once. Listen, I get what you're saying. There's a lot of guys who've who've you know been a fucking bottle rocket and you know and then fizzled out and and worthless from then on. And I've I've 
readily admitted that I think Gabe Davis could be that guy, but I just don't think, I just don't think he is. I mean, I think he's shown too much efficiency. You know, he kind of reminded me of like Chris Godwin when not, not in play style, but like how Chris Godwin sort of his first two years went slowly. And then we're like, he's going to bust out and he outperformed Mike Evans. And again, I'm not saying he's going to outperform. You're uh, dropping some heavy names right now. Yeah. Thank you. Not, not Chris Matthews. Okay, I mean, listen, I'm pulling a reference of a guy that had this flash-in-the-pan moment. And, but, okay, the other problem with Gabe Davis is Gabe Davis, is he, he's a contested catch guy. He's a big play guy, very clearly by the yards per reception. And, and what's in the, in the profile here, average depth of target top eight last season, but he's not destroying coverages, right? I mean, that, that's part of the problem. You've got Stephon Diggs, who's this super slick route runner playmaker on one side. Then you've got Gabe Davis, who's just this clobber the universe, run a deep route, explosive supernova, you know, reception. And we there saw we him blow up in the playoffs. We saw it. And it, that's got to matter. Okay. It was at yeah. a critical time. He performed well. And I'm with you. When I watch him play, I do not think he's a bust. Right. My concern is the value that, and I've always been a value over everything kind of guy. What, let me ask part. you this. Let me ask yeah. you this, Nate. Nate, yes. the first week of the first of his rookie year, he he was like one of the first players targeted. They got him on the field. They, I think they liked him. What I can't fucking figure out is like, all right, let me just ask you this. What if they had never signed Emmanuel Sanders? Like, well, let me ask year, you a question. Last year Wasn't would have been Emmanuel- so fucking different. But Sanders was dust. You know, are I mean, we going to apologize? Are we apologizing for Gabe Davis that he couldn't hurdle Emmanuel Sanders? I mean, he kind of did and didn't. I, I know. Kind I mean, of. When? Well, I mean, I, I agree. That hurt. I said it every time I'm on the show. I'm like, Emmanuel Sanders hurts my feelings. Because I'm like, why would they do that? And of course, that's a big uh, data point is that they did do it, right? Yeah. They were like, we do need Emmanuel Sanders. And it's like, Ooh, why do you need him? You know, as a, as a Gabe Davis guy, I was like, wait, why the fuck? So yeah, that's a negative data point. No doubt. Now I felt like, you know, he did sort of outplay it, but Emmanuel Sanders, go look at it, man. He played good early in the season. Um, I, I get it. Let's just get off of Gabe Davis. Um, although we are going to get back to it in a second, but um, James Cook, let's go James Cook for a quick second while we're on no. Buffalo, because you know, here's the thing, James Cook, in some in some cases, like you, you'll see the Twitter thing where he's like the 1.02 in a rookie draft. And you're like, what the actual no. fuck is going on? And then there's times like I think you and I have seen, like I think you drafted him in my league at like the 112 or maybe not, I, but somewhere. No, I Shane got him. him. Shane yeah. got him. Yep, you I'm did not pass that high. Him. Nope. So yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's like, yeah, you pass on. Him. I've passed on him a couple times in the late first. Um, what do we think about this whole James Cook situation and uh, just basically in 2022 too? I mean, you know, I, I guess dynasty is a different question, but you know, a lot of times the dynasty answer is in year one anyway. Yeah. Especially at running back, right? Yeah. Like if you're not producing at running back, I mean, their value is going to hold longer than wide receiver. We've seen it with, you know, Kevin White. We've seen it with Nikhil Harry. We've seen just fall offs, but unless you're, Okay, in this Bills offense, unless you are 2017 LaShawn McCoy, this Buffalo running game is basically just like East Coast San Francisco 49ers. Like, I think that that's going to be the problem. I think you're not going to be able to lock down any, like, RB1, number one guy. Like, I don't think that Cook has that range of outcomes based on the data points. I realize that the college target share is is better than most at 8.2%. That's 65th percentile. I understand that he had competition for touches at Georgia. Um, I understand that his you know, yards per carry were high, but yeah. 
the thing is, this is also one of the worst running back classes I've ever seen. So, you know, excluding Brees Hall, of course, and, yeah, and Kenny no, Walker. Bad. I agree. So, you know, when we look at that, it's like, yes, he had second round draft capital. But if it was any other draft class, I'm not mm. sure. And, and he was, what, two picks from third round draft capital? So yep. it's not like you put a couple more good running backs in there and all of a sudden he falls to, I, I don't know, the end of the third. Does it matter? Maybe not, but this is the investment that you want when you want to, you know, lock in opportunity. Uh, but I think honestly, Buffalo, if, if JD McKissick just signs with Buffalo instead of, you know, heel towing it and heading back right. to Washington, yes. he doesn't get drafted in the second round, presumably. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point too. And this, this seems like, you know, kind of a, a solution to that. And I think James Cook clearly has a talent profile, but yeah. the problem is guys of this size, they don't last in the league. Even the most elite guys are not lasting in the league at this size. So what's the expectation? He's on an offense that doesn't focus on one running back. He's on an offense that doesn't necessarily dump it off to the running back or one running back at a frequent amount. He's on a team where his quarterback runs almost more than anybody in the entire league. And he's an undersized guy. So for me, every time that it came to me in these rookie drafts, I was going Rashad White. Like, you know, Leonard Fournette getting a little older, but still productive. But Rashad White had this elite pass catching profile, you know, feature size, athleticism. And it's like, if I'm going to bet on two guys that I don't necessarily believe in um, from the jump, I'm going to bet on that guy. So yeah. that's probably why you've passed on him and I've passed on him numerous times. Yeah, it's funny because I've taken uh, James Cook at like right around pick 100 in these best balls because I'm like, well, I mean, he certainly has some weekly, you know, seven catch 80 yard week. I mean, right. He's going to get some PPR love here and there. I mean, you just won't really know when, um, but yeah, I don't think he, you know, I think I tweeted once that like the next time he sees 13 carries in a game will be the first time he, he does so since high school. Um, <laughs> yeah. He wasn't yeah. used as a running back really all that much. You're right. He was super effective and, and explosive as a running back. He looks rocked up and uh, he's got the lineage. There's, there, it, he's a very interesting case. But Check yeah, I, I I agree with you. It, it, you know, mid to late first round pick, I I really tended to shy away from him because it's a lot of eggs to put in that basket. I just rather have you know a Sky Moore, or, you know, one of those other players that you know just feels like they'll just be a little bit more sturdy for my team over the long haul. Of course, James Cook could have a much higher ceiling early on, but I, I'm not so sure. I'm with you. Um, it, you know, I said I'd get back to Gabe Davis. I, I got to ask one more because we're going to the Eagles. Oh God. This is this one's going to put your mind in a blender because it's a player you don't like, Gabe Davis or Devonte Smith in Dynasty. Who are you taking there? Uh, I'm taking Devonte Smith in Dynasty. I knew you were going to say that. What, right? I, I knew mean, you love Devonte Smith. Finally come, admits it. Well, well, I mean, come on. When you when you put when you put a uh, you know one food I dislike next to another food that I moderately dislike, I'll pick the moderately dislike. But okay, you just put some ketchup I, I think, on it. Yeah. Well, look. Here was the thing too about Smith, and and this was what was really interesting about his profile um, when he finally went to the league. I thought that he was going to be a possession receiver. That wasn't the case. He was used as a deep threat more than I ever expected him to be. And that was a bit of the difference. So when you look at these two guys, I mean, look, he had almost 1,500 air yards. Now, obviously, when you add A.J. Brown into the mix, that's going to shake things up a bit. But this is a guy that's still getting used explosively in that same way. He's got first-round draft capital. He's on a team that has a quarterback that throws a good deep ball. He has the arm strength. So I actually like this situation more. Um, it, when not, not bills versus 
Eagles. I clearly like the Bills passing game more yeah. overall. But when I look at prospect for prospect, Devonta Smith has so many more reasons <clears throat> to want to support him over Gabriel Davis that that's certainly the way that I lean. Yeah, it's true. I, I will say, though, it's kind of interesting. You know, you're you're talking about the number two wide receiver in each of their offenses. And if you were just blind and said, I want the wide receiver two in the Bills offense or the wide receiver two in Jalen Hurts passing game, you would take the wide receiver two for the Bills. So, again, that upside is what's tantalizing fantasy gamers with Gabe Davis because that is that that would be true. If Gabe Davis is actually that guy, we do want that guy. But if we just get sort of the middling Gabe Davis that we've seen over the first two years, obviously, uh, you know, Devontae Smith is a, a much better uh, asset. And, and of course, as you point out, he's a fucking top 10 pick or whatever he is. So like he's insulated to opportunity going forward. He can kind of be mediocre and he's still going to get a ton of targets and he's going to be a starter next year too. Right. So, you know, that, yep. that, that, that draft capital does insulate him. Um, I'm wondering though, you know, now that we look at this, this Eagles passing game, I mean, there's not much behind Devonte Smith. I mean, maybe Quez Watkins or something like that. You know, I guess they brought in Zach Pascal, but you know, if we look at that offense, we see, you know, A.J. Brown, who's a fucking absolute animal and stud. Love that dude. You've got Devontae Smith and 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 Dallas Goddard. I'm wondering if there's enough pass volume to make all three of them sort of, you know, hit their ADP. Uh, I'm dubious. What are your thoughts? Um, there's probably not. I mean, look, th- this was an issue. I don't think that A.J. Brown is necessarily, aside from one year, really lived up to, I think, what expectation was. And here he goes to a team that has a relatively low passing offense as well. I mean, this is a team that ranked number 32 in the league in total pass attempts last year. So Mm. it's not like they're, they just traded places with Baltimore. So it's not like this is a team that necessarily is going to be throwing the ball a ton, but that's what you get when you get a quarterback that runs, you know, at a frequency that Jalen hurts rushes. So, um, if I had to pick one of the two guys, obviously AJ Brown is the guy that I would go with. I think AJ Brown is probably still going to see a 120, 130 target season. I think Devonta Smith is not going to see that much, um, but his routes and his usage are going to lean him to more of a best ball, explosive playmaker um, type of usage. So I think he'll still have value. Again, between him and Gabe Davis, it's really tough because you know they are number twos. And the passing volume for the Buffalo Bills is like 200 more attempts it's crazy. than what we're seeing here, right? Yeah, like it's crazy. It's so much more. So I think that's the problem <laughs> um, between these two because it was like 500 pass attempts last year for the Eagles. And I, I can't remember, but I think Buffalo was up over 600 or something like yeah, that. For so, sure. yeah, so it's 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 quite a bit of a difference. Um, but between these two guys, I think that you're probably going to see A.J. Brown, the concerted effort by this offense he's obviously got that rapport built in with Jalen Hurts um I think Goddard will be fine but Goddard's probably now a what an 80 target guy I mean is that what he's become yeah I mean as much as I like Goddard um although the peripheral vision kind of I I think that's a that's a problem you know because he got starched in that bar remember that yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He should have seen that fucker coming, you know? So that's, <laughs> that's a problem right. right off the get. But, um, <laughs> sorry. That's right. Yeah. You know, motherfucker got absolutely starched, you know? Um, you know, hey, how many of those hits can you take? You know, I saw the, uh, the old Chuck Liddell, you know, after a while, it was just, you know, hit yeah, that I- light switch and it goes out. But, um, I, I wouldn't say that to his face, though. Don't anybody share this with him. Um, you know, but yeah, Goddard, Goddard is like the, the guy who's like, 
definitely on the outside looking in here. And, you know, I suppose there could be some touchdown upside, but other than that, man, it's, it's a scary target share to try and divvy up uh, when you start doing your projections. But on the flip side, you get this rushing attack and then you look at their running backs and it's like Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, guys that just aren't, you know, um, you know, high volume runners. And then there's Miles Sanders just sitting there. Now I know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but if by some miracle Miles Sanders can stay healthy, isn't he kind of a post-hype sleeper right now and at a, a great value in, in basically all formats, or are you kind of hands-off here? No, you're right. He he absolutely is, right? This is this is one part of this is one part of the offense that's not really going anywhere. The you know, right. the fact that we're going to see the run game continue to be what it is. And he's clearly the best runner on this team. I was surprised by how much passing game usage Kenny uh, Kenny Gainwell was starting to see towards the last part of the season there. Um, it was beginning to cut into Miles Sanders, I think, at some point too. But um, yeah, very clearly he has the talent profile, right? This guy is an exceptional athlete. We've seen him perform while on an NFL field. Every fantasy analyst that I respect for the past two years has been saying, this is the year, this is the year. <laughs> right. um, so obviously everybody agrees that he's good. So I think health is truly the biggest factor. And it can be an advantage and a disadvantage when you have a mobile quarterback. I've cited this numerous times, but J.K. Right. Dobbins had more defenders in the box because of Lamar Jackson. So if you've got Smith on the outside, you've got Goddard, you've got A.J. Brown, and and Hertz is a threat to throw. Um, I think that might help the run game. Hertz was not, you know, and I don't. We haven't really talked about it, but Hertz is a passer last year. Number seven in money throws, number five in danger plays. So he's taking risks. So I think we're going to see the defenses have to respect the pass a little bit, especially if we see some RPO or something mixed in here. Um, so I do like him. Uh, I think this might be a good year for him if he can stay healthy. But man, how many times can you get burned by the same guy? It's so bad, isn't it? I think that's what's happened too. Is like. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of the dynasty or fantasy community that never liked him. And so they're definitely out. And those of us who did support him were like, oh, Jesus, man. You know, it's like it's like yeah. dating the girl that's cheated on you two or three times. You're like, well, yeah, I'm yeah. going back out with her. People look at you like, you're going out with her? It's like, well, yeah, she called and whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, right. like total sucker. Yeah, you got to you got to stick it out, man. Um, I that think might that-, be the, that might be the show title. Miles Sanders, Bad Girlfriend. I think it's, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's getting slept on too right now. So <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it works. Yeah. But oh. nonetheless, when, when I look at running backs, I've had so many, so I just did another startup. I mean, how many startups can one guy do? Okay. I don't, I don't know. Tell us. Dude, obviously too many. Like every time I tell my wife that I'm doing a startup, she's like, why? She's like, why? Why so many? Like hey, there's the nobody. Deal? Nobody has enough fucking time to do all these leagues, okay? There's not a man on earth who can do all these leagues. Not not even me, but we continue anyways. We fight the good fight. But yes. I had I was conflicted. I, I had a draft recently, and I'm trying to think of who I passed on Sanders for, but I watched Sanders continue to fall down and down. And as, as locked in, you know, lead running backs were coming off the board and we got into that Damian Harris – uh, whatever tier of running back Sanders was still there. And it's like, yes. why, why do we dislike Sanders? He very clearly could, could have a great year and get a two year extension next year and, or, or whatever in the future. Yeah. And suddenly he's back on the map. Yeah. The, the little Leonard, Leonard Fournette contract thing, you yeah. know, that little 
To, you're right. Uh, it's so, so possible. You know, they they hate Miles Sanders so much that they went ahead and invested in, let me check my notes here, absolutely fucking nobody in the offseason. Right. <laughs> right. I haven't seen anybody check their notes in real time, so that's uh, it was, it's a Thank first you. for me. That's a yeah, bit. That's a bit. Yeah. That's a bit yeah, I it's do. Good the, bit. the check fucking notes. Absolutely fucking exactly. nobody. Exactly. But they did. They, they, they brought in Kennedy Brooks. That's mm. it. And really, that was to replace Jordan Howard. I mean- you know, so yeah, I mean, if it's not Kenny Gainwell, it's fucking Miles Sanders. And I think Kenny Gainwell is the B back and Miles Sanders is the A back. I think it's yes. pretty fucking clear. Now, if Miles Sanders stays healthy, I think he's in for a huge year. I really mean that. Um, but it, that's a big question. So we'll, we'll see about all that. But yeah, I'm, I'm investing in Miles Sanders. I tried trading him in the offseason and it did not go well. And I'm so glad because I, I was going to sell him cheap. And so Thankfully, I, I was able to hang on because I think he's going to, you know, return some value uh, on your roster uh, in, in fantasy this year. Speaking of on your roster and fantasy this year, I assume you have a lot of Jalen Hurts. But now Jalen Hurts, you know, here's the thing. Jalen Hurts, we talked about it earlier in the show. is like the only thing that is a problem with Jalen Hurts is like he was a second round pick and he doesn't have a contract. So therefore, he's not tethered to opportunity. I've sort of argued that. You know, if he were to not be in Philadelphia's future plans, you would think he would be in one of the other 32 teams future plans. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm not sure about that. So therefore, that uncertainty uh, pushes his value down. Because let me ask you this, like Trey Lance, if we were thinking, oh, I wish Trey Lance was as good as you'd basically say, like, I hope he performs like fucking Jalen Hurts. Right. Yet here's Jalen Hurts already doing that, and he's you know goes behind Trey Lance in every single startup by quite a bit. So I would ask you, why not Jalen Hurts over Trey Lance in Dynasty? Why not? Uh, I I mean I don't know. I think that they're very close. The only difference is the draft capital, right? Bingo. I mean that that is yeah. that's the big difference. And San Francisco is a creative, explosive, you know, weapons supported offense. So. Yep. It's not, it's a great place to be. So he has a lot of things going for him. We've just really never seen it manifest. Mm-hmm. But I would say with Jalen Hurts, and I don't think he gets enough credit, you know, looking at his his metrics in terms of as a passer, uh, you know, number four in demand coverage, throw rate, number mm. 11 completion percentage versus man. So, you know, he was challenging corners one-on-one with literally, you know, one or two guys of consequence, whether it was Quez, whether it was Smith. Now he gets A.J. Brown. Maybe we see a little less running from him. I know this is always what people say. That this is the belief that, oh, the the, the running quarterback is going to stop running for his health. I, I hear this about Josh Allen. He's going to stop running, and he's going to be this pocket passer, and, and it's going to save his body, and that's why he's better in Dynasty. It's like, no, he's fucking great in Dynasty because he runs the ball like a madman and throws it right. at a frequency that is unmatched. And when you look at Hertz last year, he had just one game with less than seven rush attempts. So the rushing upside is there, but I think he's learning to be a passer as well. And I think that the Eagles obviously signed on the dotted line and said, look, we're going to go get you A.J. Brown on draft day. They go get him. Arguably the best receiver, top three receivers in the league when it comes to pure talent and ability. You put him with him, that's a concerted effort. What are the Eagles doing? I realize they have capital going into next year, and I know some people think, well, if it doesn't work out this year, you roll the capital into a high selection next year. We don't know who comes out. We don't know who gets hurt. We don't know how they perform, but we know that Jalen Hurts looked good this year. And in terms of him versus Trey Lance, if the concern is longevity, I think you said it earlier, 
if for some reason Jalen Hurts gets benched for a high-end rookie next year, you can bet your ass some team is going to come calling for him as their starting quarterback, and they're going to trade a first-round pick or whatever it is to get him off this Eagles roster to put him on theirs. Right, exactly. I mean, at some point, like, you know, Indianapolis after the Matt Ryan years or whatever, like there's just got to be somewhere that he can land. Speaking of landing spots, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this in there. I wanted to tweet this and I was going to save it for the podcast. Now, granted, I was high on these California edibles when I thought this, but I think this, I think this, (laughs) this clicks. Tell me what you think. So good. It's so good. Wait till you should have done this high, by the way, the big mistake. Let's do it. Let's just change it up. Listen, here's, here it goes. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. Gardner Minshew to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> just to, just to fucking set it all on fire. I mean, honestly, I, know, I get it. Yeah, that's a good team over there. Like, I know Goff is like acceptable. Like, he's uh, you know, you know, he's a prom date. You know what I mean? Look at this. Look at this yeah, guy. Yeah, he's got yeah, a suit on. Yeah. Everything. He looks like yeah. uh, looks amazing. <laughs> but okay. No, I think that that's that is one of the offenses that I could. Minshew's a winner, man. Like, you know, right. he he's not. The most elite quarterback in the world, obviously. You're telling me Dan Campbell wouldn't love this dude? Oh, he, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell would have a rod all day long. (laughs) I mean, drinking seven double venti coffees and just watching Gardner Minshew in a cutoff t shirt. Like, yeah, I think that's Detroit, everything. Oh, no, I I think that he does fit with what they're doing. That is a great call. And thank you. He he may migrate his way there at some point because, yeah, Goff is obviously just a. Man, they, they lost some close games last year. That was a really competitive team, by the way. If you were going to bet on a team yeah. to, to turn it around and perform better than expectation, it has to be Detroit, man. Yeah, Detroit is my NFC rooting team, just so you know. You I'll cool. be cheering for Detroit fucking all season long. Do it. And I love it. What would make it, I was thinking, like, then I thought that, and I was like, oh, fucking Jared Goff. I was like, Jesus, yeah. man, if only they could have, and then it just, boop, Gardner Minshew. I was like, oh, that would be the fucking apex team. I mean, I, who who's not cheering for that team to win? I mean, oh, like, it'd be yeah, that'd be a rock concert. I mean, it would be great, <laughs> man. Gardner Minshew fist pumping running down the field, yes. big bombs. Like, yeah, it's just no, it's electric. I can picture it right now. I hope it, it does fits. happen. Perfect. Yeah, so let's it's make it happen. Let's put it out into the ether. Tweet that shit. Let's go. Yeah. Um, you heard it here first. Fucking Minshew. It's happening. I got some intel on that. <laughs> it was fucking tied tight to the uh to the cosmos when i thought it so that's right listen getting back on this show sheet we long strange trip it really is trey lance and so i wonder like uh when we look at the 49ers you know with trey lance they're a lot like philly you know they're going to be a low volume pass offense a creative run game a mobile quarterback who can you know a thick mobile quarterback who can take some punishment score uh, uh, in the red zone and then the the weapons they're basically three man consolidated offensive uh, target share with Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk. I would ask the same question here: Is there enough target share with 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 Lance to make all three of these guys fantasy relevant? Part of let the reason I you. like Gabe Davis over Ayuk here too. That's it. No, that's fair. Let me let me hit you with a stat here: The 49ers were already number twenty nine in pass attempts last season, and that's mm. with Jimmy Garoppolo rushing two point five times per game. Ooh. Now factor in Trey Lance, who averaged 6.3 rush attempts per game with a game as high as 16 attempts in one of his only three outings in 2021. So if Trey Lance is rushing six times a game, seven times a game, where is the volume coming from? And in addition to that, 
Do we know that Trey Lance is even a good player? Do we know that he's a good passer? We know that he's dynamic. It was my argument against Malik Willis. Every time people would tell me that he was <laughs> that he was going in the first round. This was the best bit. This is the best bit of the offseason was Malik Willis was a first round pick. And I heard people say generational. Loved it. Ooh, I don't know about generational. H- but hilarious I, joke. I did think he was going to go in the first round. Not a chance. Here's the thing, though. If his legs weren't what they were, he would have never been in any conversation at all. That's the stance that I took on it. And it was yeah. all his legs. Now, Trey Lance has one prolific season in his college career. Zero interceptions, I believe, in yep. that season. Dynamic rusher. Possibly overdrafted. We don't know that. But if we do know anything, it's that guys like this tend to throttle heavy passing games. And I think that the 49ers are going to remain a low-volume passing team. I think Debo Samuel still eats. We know George Kittle's still going to eat. I think Ayuk certainly, you know, for good reason why you select Gabe Davis over him, uh, may have more boom-bust weeks than expected. And... Uh, you know, if it's between Trey Lance and Hertz, I'm not afraid to say that I would take Hertz over him. Yeah. But this offense, man, there's going to be a lot of questions. I just think, like, you know, the questions that we hold for Hertz about his future being the fact that, you know, hey, he might get replaced and et cetera. I, I, I'm with that, by the way. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I haven't invested in Hertz very much in startups either. But I definitely have not invested in Lance because. Uh, let me ask you this. If you could guess where he's going to be drafted in a super flex startup, Trey Lance, that is, w- yeah. where do you normally see him go? Like if you just pick one slot. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we j- I just did one. He went number, I think it went 107 or 108. Yeah. like that. But did you think that was like, oh, my God, what's Trey Lance doing there? I was like, yeah, that's normally where he goes. Like right end of the first round? Yeah, I think that will, and that's way <clears throat> that's way too high. Like to me, right? that's that's too high for sure. It, it, especially when you don't know what he is, and I just he I get that the mobility that's what it is. It's the it's the mobility, and it will always be the mobility. But I just think that that's too high, and I I think that with these, you know, Lamar Jackson broke the video game. Okay, Lamar Jackson came yeah. in, did his 2019 thing, <laughs> yeah. just like the 2014 wide receiver mm-hmm. class, fuck with everybody's heads, yep. and. He broke the game, and now everybody's trying to do it. And Jalen Hurts yep. looked good, and then he broke the game again. And now everybody's trying to, to do this. Yep. But that's what's funny to be about Malik Willis. Yes. The fact that Malik Willis doesn't go where people expected him to go. Um, I didn't think he was the passer that maybe some of these other guys are. But it's not like Trey Lance came from an SEC school either. No. All right, so in Ball said, you know, Christian Watson. Yeah, I'm. Oh, we're gonna get there, aren't we? Now, yeah, um, you know, I, I'm with you, man. I, you know, the the whole Trey Lance thing. You know, the people dunking on me for thinking that Gabe Davis might be a top 36 wide receiver are drafting Trey Lance in the top fucking seven. You know, listen, I, I get it. You know, there's upside there. I, you know, I've said it. I said it about Malik Willis. I'll say it about Trey Lance. If Trey Lance or Malik Willis happens to be above average as an NFL passer, they will smash as a fantasy player. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, but th- but that doesn't mean that their longevity in the league. No. It, right, because we've, we're seeing the exact same thing with Hurts. We're seeing a guy that Bingo. smashes as a fantasy asset. Yes. Meanwhile, the organization's like, like well, not we, sure here. Yeah. we don't know who the starter is. You know, yeah, it's like, right. you know, I'll tell you who your starter is. your best quarterback on the roster. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Gardner I, Minshew. For, Sorry. Yeah, Didn't Gardner mean, Minshew. For fantasy purposes, I, I get it. These are the guys that you go after, this rushing yep. upside. It's the reason that Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and Lamar Jack, and we have so many mobile quarterbacks. But to Josh Allen's credit, he's 
starting to look like an elite passer. And Correct. to Kyler Murray's credit, he's looking like an elite passer. Yep. And you know, Lamar has been a great passer a couple of years ago, and he's looked good in between there. You have to also prove it, and that's the problem. I think it's project with legs. Yep. Yep, that's what it is. Uh, speaking of legs, this Ooh. this backfield, you know, the San Francisco 49ers backfield is one that every year we have to figure it out, and we never do, right? Uh, we literally never do. We never figure this out right. We never get it right. You know, Elijah Mitchell was, you know, the the waiver wire king last year. Nobody drafted him. He was the waiver wire king, right? So we yeah. fucked it up last year, too. Nobody was like, Elijah Mitchell, for sure. You know, it was Mostert. It was all this other nonsense. Jeff Wilson. And here we are again, same shit, different year. Uh, we think it's Elijah Mitchell. I love Elijah Mitchell, but I am dubious as F because now you got TDP, the serial killer, right? Mm-hmm. Tyrion Davis Price, the Lannister. He's mm-hmm. fucking out there just killing people. He could kill Elijah Mitchell. Do you like how I call him the Lannister? Tyrion? Yeah, no, it's good. I like Thank it. You. I like Thank it. You. you down with TDP? Yeah, you know me. This guy's a yeah. nickname fucking fodder all day long. Are but- you? Tyrion Davis Price, the Lannister. I think I'm going to the Lannister instead. Um, okay. Yeah, because I, I was calling him the serial killer because all serial killers have three names, but I think the Lannister is where I'm going. But you got Tyrion Davis Price. You got Elijah Mitchell. Trey Sermon, who might be done. Uh, Jeff Wilson, who's like the the leading uh, you know guy in camp right now. Who the fuck knows, right? And then Jordan Mason, who everybody says, who the fuck is that? But he might be the – you know, I mean – Stranger things have happened is my point. Should we just be drafting Elijah Mitchell or should we be very, very scared of this backfield? I would be scared of this backfield only because they've just proven over the past couple of years that they're not really going to lean on any one person. And when they do, it's typically a product of injury. Um, you know, you got to go back to Carlos Hyde like five years ago under this coaching staff to see a guy that was used in like a true feature role. I mean, Elijah Mitchell was the best in between this, I think, three, three or four year period or back to 2017, maybe a four yeah, year period. He really was. He, he was the, the most highly used player in this system since Carlos Hyde. So and with the that most being, effective. I mean, he was good, the, but every time we listen to a presser with Lynch and whoever else, it's like, they talk about their lack of depth. They talk about yeah. all the injuries. They talk about how many, you know, how they were pulling guys off practice squads to fill bodies. And so I think to them, they just want to be a competitive team. And I don't think they're married to any one guy. And there is literally no allegiance to Elijah Mitchell. That when you're a six-round guy, you can be gone like that. Like, Agreed. Right? Yep. And you got a third-round draft capital guy in the Lannister, as you've dubbed him. And very yeah. clearly, with that size and that speed, I don't think that Price is – by any means uh, an elite prospect or even a great prospect, but in this offense at a position that's more intuitive than it is, you know, knowledge based, you just have to know where to run, where to be. Like it's not pick up your, you know, pass protection. It's not the most difficult position to play. It's very instinctual. He could be great. I mean, he could actually be good in this offense. And suddenly if he shows juice, then what happens? They start splitting carries. I mean, Elijah Mitchell left a ton of meat on the bone last year with a quarterback that wasn't even mobile. I mean, what he averaged 1.8 targets per game. Yeah. 1.8 targets per game. So that's not good. It, that's not good. And he wasn't that great from an advanced metric standpoint either. I mean, he was, you know, in outside the top 30 in some metrics, breakaway run rate, you know, top 17 or whatever. So he was fine. He was fine, but he's not a game changer by any means. So, 
I hate hearing that because I know it's half true. I, you know, I sort of, uh, you know, comped Elijah Mitchell to, you know, poor man's Aaron Jones coming out and he's going to have to be better than Aaron Jones to hang on to his job. Cause we saw it with Aaron Jones, who was a fifth round pick who yeah. we were constantly saying, can we please get this guy on the field? And we may be saying that again for Elijah Mitchell this year. You know, I heard someone talk about how they were drafting sermon. I forget who it was. So I can't credit whoever it was, but it was pretty smart. They were saying that they were drafting sermon to play in the scheme that Trey Lance plays, you know, a lot of RPO uh, ball in the belly. Right. And that, Mitchell's more of an outside zone guy, right? And they think that TDP is more of this Trey Lance type player too, mm. more to take over for Sermon. And that's interesting, just sort of, you know, scheme fit bullshit nonsense that who knows what, but it might mean something. Well, you know, again, this is this is kind of where Shanahan and Lynch, when they kept talking about this team, they always talk about Trey Sermon, man. They always go back to Trey Sermon. Mm. I think they think they have something in Trey Sermon. I think they believe that Elijah Mitchell is the guy on this team, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, when the rubber meets the road, you're going to go with the best player. And if TDP is coming out hot and he's and he runs fast and he's explosive and he's doing all the things they're asking him to do, he's going to get on the field. And we've watched this team have multiple hundred carry players on the same roster, as many as three sometimes. So, He's going to get work. I, I doubt that they're going to lean on Elijah Mitchell as heavily because they're one of the only teams outside of Seattle that I've heard like really talking about the fact that they were so broken at running back. When you've got a guy that's 201 pounds and only played 11 games last year in Elijah Mitchell, like you know that their plan is to try to take some of that off of him. They, they want to be a competitive yeah. team and you can't keep turning over players to injury. So I think you're going to see more of a timeshare than we expected. I don't think we're going to see the same, you know, uh, 200 plus carries out of any one player. I think it's going to be divided up even smaller and Trey Lance different than Jimmy Garoppolo is going to cut into a massive amount of that opportunity. Mm. Yeah, you're probably right. So now, would you take the perceived starting running back in Elijah Mitchell and trade him in Dynasty for a backup running back, or at least the perceived backup running back for the Green Bay Packers and A.J. Dillon? Would you trade Elijah Mitchell for A.J. Dillon? I would trade Elijah Mitchell for A.J. Dillon in an absolute heartbeat. Um, I A.J. Dillon is in my opinion, is an infinitely better prospect. Draft capital completely aside. I, you know, I was talking about this. Well, it was six six games last year where Dylan had a snap share greater than 50%. He was averaging 16.6 fantasy points per game and finished as a top 13 or better runner four times in those six games. So, plus, remember when people said that he couldn't catch passes and then he <laughs> caught 34 balls with a catch rate of 91.9%? Yes. He literally proved that he can do that in a Green Bay offense. We don't know when Aaron Rodgers is going to hang it up. I don't know what his plan is. And obviously, that's a that's a big factor here. But between these two players, I have seen Dylan play on a supremely better level than Elijah Mitchell in an offense where he's going to get opportunity no matter what. And if Aaron Jones goes down, I mean, he truly has top 10 upside pretty yep. easily. Yes. Yeah. If Aaron Jones goes down, he has top five. Upside. Yeah, top I mean, five upside really does have that. I mean, top top 12 sort of almost cement him in for that. Um you know, but yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's rugged. Obviously. I think that's pretty interesting. So considering that in this green Bay Packer backfield, um, I guess, what are you thinking is going to happen? What do we expect from this backfield in terms of splitting up those, 
those carries and targets and snaps. What what are your thoughts on how they're going to play this out? Well, I mean, this is obviously the the most broken Packers offense we've seen in quite some time. I mean, it's this is you know you lose Devontae Adams, you, you replace him with essentially nothing. You've got you correct. Know, Right. We'll, we'll get to these wide receivers here in a second. I'm I'm sure, uh, you know, Aaron Jones certainly has a chance to finish as an RB one this year, um, even with the targets. But I just I really don't even see it for Aaron Jones finishing as as an RB one. I think it's going to be difficult with the usage that we've seen and just his target share cap. I don't think he's ever seen more than five targets a game on average. It might even be a little lower than that, if I remember correctly. But I think that the way that it gets divvied up, I think that Aaron Jones, probably a 60-40 thing, again, going forward. I think they're both really good players. Um, I think that we're going to continue to see Dylan get his red zone work. Aaron Jones is going to continue to see pass catching. And you could probably bump it up. I mean, you're probably going to see a good jump on his on his pass catching role that we haven't seen in a while. You know, I, I, the reason I think I wanted to go here, too, is I've heard a lot of smart people, people that I respect in, in the industry, uh, you know, saying, Aaron Jones is a smash late second, early third and in, in best ball redraft and absolute awesome play. And, you know, and redraft this year, Aaron Jones. And I'm like, I love Aaron Jones. I'm like, huh, wait, really? Is that, is that a, th- should I be, am I missing? I'm like, fuck, I might be missing something. Cause I'm like, I'm not there. And I want to see if I should be there or not. Right. I'm like trying to figure this out. And I'm like, well, wait, what ha- did AJ Dillon fucking die? Like what happened? Right. You know? Oh, did they get a, a wide receiver so that they're going to be able to move the football? Like I fear this team might not, I think they're going to look, they played slow. We know that, right, bro. I mean, they played slow and now they're going to play slow without weapons. I mean, they could be more run heavy. I know that that supposedly is good, but I mean, we don't want run heavy for those two backs. I mean, that, that you know, five runs and a punt. I'm I'm out, man. I want to see them moving the football up and down the field. I don't know, man. They're going to play the Bears twice. That's a low scoring game. They're going to play the Lions twice. That's probably a low scoring game. I mean, I don't know, man. This is this offense scares me, and I don't want forty to sixty percent of the running back of this offense if they're not scoring and moving the ball. Am I missing something? No, you're not. And this is kind of where my curiosity comes in. Last year, these two guys were separated by two touches on the year. 223 touches for Jones, 221 for A.J. Dillon. So Mm. it's not like it was some widespread difference as it is. I think that Jones remains the more dynamic player. But A.J. Dillon remains just sort of the rock in this offense. I mean, he he has this Steven Jackson-level upside, right, that he brings to the table. Um, And when you look at just the deficiencies amongst the offensive weapons in here, I do agree that they're probably going to go more heavily to the run where they can. And Dylan, again, you know, Aaron Jones has some fragility in his history. So, you know, going back to the original question, absolutely. I would, I would trade Elijah Mitchell for AJ Dylan. Not, not a problem for me at all. And it might be the right time to do it. Um, but in addition to that, I just, I think that they're going to trend close to each other, but I think Dylan is going to end up the heavier ball carrier. Jones will have a, end up the heavier pass catcher, but there's a lot of people out there pushing the fact that Aaron Jones could finish as the RB one overall. And I just think that's like ultra pie in the sky. Like there is no roadmap to get there. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, and again, I've I've missed shit before in fantasy football. Let me just make that clear. But this one doesn't really resonate with me and it doesn't hit me, you know, anywhere. Because again, if I'm looking for that high upside, I either want, you know, the the CMC sort of um, you know, uh opportunity share on a team that's not that good in Carolina, or I want 
you know, a, a part of an offense that just scores a shit ton. You know, the the Alvin Kamara role in a yeah. New Orleans team where he's scoring six touchdowns a game. Well, okay, well that there's a path, but the split backfield on a team that I'm not so sure is going to score a ton. Man, oh man, that feels like drawn to the inside straight. And speaking of not scoring a lot, the reason we're talking this way is not Aaron Rodgers and not these running backs, but it's all these other shit bags on this team that I think really, I mean, you know, we're hanging our hat on uh, Alan Lazard and Christian Watson. Um, you know, uh, the return of Robert Tanyan, like seriously, this is it. Randall Cobb. I mean, this isn't 1984 Randall Cobb. It can't be good anymore. You know, so there's just not Sammy fucking Watkins. Like, Hey, you watch your mouth. Sammy just turned 24. Yeah. I saw that. I mean, but right here we are. And it's like, uh, whoa, what the hell, man? I mean, I think it's going to be just like 60 targets each for these shit bags. (laughs) Okay. So here was my thing, like, you know, Christian Watson, I was, I was looking at this. So, you know, few rookies stepped into necessarily a hollower passing game situation. Literally his only competition is an undrafted free agent whose targets, you know, had never had more than 60 in a season. And then there's Sammy Watkins who hasn't played a full season in eight years, eight years. That's real. That's a real number. But Al Mazard, here you go. Three stats. Strange how he's still four, 24 years old. Yeah, he's Fucking still miracle. 24 yeah. years old. Retweet it. So here, three three stats that shocked me about Lazard when I was going through his profile. Wide receiver 16. Now bear in mind, how many targets did he have last year? We say he had 60 targets last season. Not much. Seven, yeah, 67. I'll look, but yeah, okay. go ahead. I believe it was 60 targets. So wide receiver 16 in red zone targets while ranking wide receiver 73 in total targets. The wide receiver seven ranking in target separation versus man coverage and the wide receiver six quarterback rating when targeted. Hmm. So some favorable numbers going his direction. Like if you had to pick the guy in this offense, it's probably going to be Alan Lazard. Agreed. For that reason, gladly would sell him because whether Rodgers isn't here, if Rodgers isn't here next year, even if Lazard has a decent year, you know, Jacoby Myers level, you know, he's, he's hanging around all of a sudden. If Rodgers isn't here, Lazard is toast. Even if Lazard is here next year, they're going to put somebody else in this offense. Like this offense is as broken as it gets. Assuming Christian Watson doesn't do something. I mean, he's got the athletic profile, but then again, he really doesn't have, you know, numerous advanced metrics for us as, you know, analysts to go yeah this is the guy this is the guy I would have drafted in Green Bay yeah I mean if Christian Watson it just happens to be Terry McLaurin then they've made the right pick otherwise what the fuck have athletic measurables ever done to a wide receivers production profile in the NFL I mean basically nothing there's no correlation to it so if they just drafted a replacement to MVS to stretch the field for Alan Lazard at whatever in the second round good for you yeah and you know, you're right. It's the the athleticism thing is probably the big reason why he was selected. I think, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about players that Green Bay could have selected instead of taking Christian Watson at this spot. But it's really interesting because I just don't I don't know how it's going to break down in this Green Bay offense. I think it's going to yeah. take him time to even produce in this offense. We've seen wide receivers get doghoused in this offense, like couldn't live up to Aaron Rodgers is not, if you're not in the spot and he throws the ball there, you're going to hear about it. And it's going to be a short lived opportunity. Yeah. 
if you can't do the right things. And for that reason, Sammy Watkins might actually have a little bit of value this year. Yeah. Well, we know Sammy's going to go for two touchdowns in week one. That we know. Oh, so lock we know that, that shit It's going to be a blow up week one. Hey, speaking of doghouse, I, I put on the I put on the uh, show sheet. Who's going to emerge from this poo poo platter? Except that uh, it it spell checked a puppy platter. I, I saw did, that. I did not mean that. That was a, that was a typo. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I should bring that up. I don't know what a puppy platter is, but now I know what you mean. Yo, yeah, you can't. You got to turn off the autocorrect, man. You yeah, got to make auto- it manual. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden I'm killing dogs over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, not good. Puppies, nonetheless, too. Who the That's fuck true. would ever do that? Yeah, um, but true. yeah, it, it is on the show sheet. This Christian Watson. I mean, Nate Liss, you and I are running the Green Bay Packers. There we are yes. at the top of round two. There's yeah. so many premium players at so many positions. In all, I mean, what would possibly have to happen? Like a, a hit of acid or something? Like how could they get you to take Christian Watson at the 2.02 in a real NFL draft when George Pickens was taken at the 20th pick of the second round, Sky Moore the 22nd pick of the, of the second round, and even David Bell and Jalen Tolbert in round three? I mean, I can't imagine pushing the button as an NFL team for Christian Watson at that point. I mean, just what a malpractice. I mean, unless we're completely wrong about this kid, I mean, I think he's fine, but I don't know, man. The replacement of Devontae Adams, this is bonkers to me. Yeah, it's tough. When you look back at the options that were there, when you look at Pickens and Sky Moore and Jalen Tolbert and David Bell and some of these guys, and you reflect on who they could have had, He's clearly not the most polished of these guys. I would have preferred Sky more to him personally. Yep. George Pickens probably would have been the guy that I went with. Yep. I'm really high on Jalen Tolbert, but he's also not like he's a fringy guy. He's not a big he school is. guy, clearly, uh, but has, you know, has that senior bowl profile, has a lot of things going for him. Yep. Um Watson to me was just was just that athletic profile that really yep. hooked him because I, I just prefer George Pickens clearly a couple yeah. years ago prior to all the bullshit that went down. He should have been the clear cut wide receiver one, like should have been the yep. alpha wide receiver one in this class, but then injuries and time yes. goes by and production. And here we are. And now you're getting him at 2.20 and Pittsburgh has, always nails it. Has there ever been a, a more like Aaron Rodgersy type of receiver than George Pickens too? Like, no, I mean, I like if you're drafting the Devonte Adams replacement, I mean, none of these guys are likely to be anything close. None of them, like zero of the guys drafted, Drake London, are likely to be Devontae Adams. But of the ones remaining at that position, if you're thinking, man, we might get a Devontae Adams type player here, George Pickens is the guy. Yeah, this is, it feels like a big mistake. And I've been reading up on, you know, just kind of keep up on the rookies, of course. But like I was reading some of the information about Pickens and just, how they're just talking about he feels like a star, like everything that he's doing. And you just got to feel like if you're, you know, Matt LaFleur or whatever, you just got to have diarrhea or whatever right now. Just every time you open up your iPad air and you're like, fuck me. You're like, this guy is good. Wait, yeah. How do we miss it? Oh, he went to Georgia and dominated as a freshman, then got hurt. Why didn't you guys tell me about this guy? What the fuck scouting department? I drafted some fucking you know, some stiff uh, from North Dakota who didn't ever, you know, crest 800 yards receiving. Good job, boys. Yeah, um, that's yeah. it could be a whiff. Now, we might eat giant plates of shit for this, but <laughs> I would be willing to bet. I would be willing yeah. to bet that Pickens ends up the better player. But look, when you're possibly the second option, your one B option for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, anything can happen. Hey man, I was DMing with one of my uh, you know friends and followers. Yeah, you know, one of the you know you know how it is. You know you get you, you know the people who like you, they interact with you and stuff. And I was 
talking with him and he, he you know he gave me the quote he said always got to have takes so you know the take is christian watson's dog shit if we eat a giant plate of shit so what the take is the take always got to have takes the take christian watson dog shit have a nice love day it. see you later love it yeah you want to at me in two years <laughs> when he's a fucking all pro go right the fuck ahead i don't give a fuck you know i'll probably be wrong about a lot of shit um but um but but you know, hey, speaking of you know alpha wide receivers, which wide receiver one for their team is going to have a better season, Alan Lazard or AJ Green? Okay, wait a minute. You heard wait me. Minute. Wait a minute. Let me get. So, are, are we ignoring Marquise Brown here? If I have to pick between AJ Green and Alan Lazard, I think I'm going to have to go Alan Lazard. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're I, kind well, of think- ignoring uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Marquise Brown, but but Very honestly, clearly. it's kind of like you know. I don't know. It's like, you know, Marquise Brown and Christian Watson, very, very similar place. Just kidding. Just kidding. But it is kind of interesting. You know, AJ Green is going to have some outside opportunities for this team. You got Marquise Brown, but that's, you know, it's very interesting. What I mean, I I agree. I think Lazard outperforms AJ Green this year. It was kind of a trick question to get onto onto the Cardinals, but, um, but I wanted to hear what you had to say. He's, he's, well, I mean, he's going to be 34. It's amazing to me that he's outproducing Julio Jones. Like he's paced Julio Jones at this point in their careers when it felt like Julio had paced him. I mean, Julio was clearly the guy for a long time. And then, yeah, to see AJ Green, what he finishes the wide receiver 41 last year, I mean, still almost, you know, 1,150 air yards. I mean, the guy is still relevant on 92 targets. So, um, clearly the explosive playmaking capability is there and he's in the right offense. Uh, but between these two guys, Lazard's going to see like 140 targets, man. You really think Lazard's going to get that many targets? Who else is getting the ball? I know. I, I, I agree. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Christian well, Watson, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers doesn't run. So he, he rushes like four times a year. So, I don't know what else this team is going to do. I mean, there's going to be a lot of passing plays. Imagine Rodgers still wants to win with his arm. So, yeah, I, seriously, I, I think that you could see Alan Lazard somewhere in 130 to 140 target range. I'm going to tell you, if, if Alan Lazard gets 140 targets, he's going to be like a – I mean, he's going to score fucking 12 touchdowns, bro. Like, he's a he's a, a red zone monster. I mean, the kid's fucking 6'6". Six, six. Look, if – I, I, I who else? What the hell, man? I don't know, but that's a you know Dave Kluge's listening right now, just fucking jumping up and down. I mean, he's been ringing this bell, <laughs> yeah, yes, all off season, yeah, and, yes. and we called him crazy. And then the closer and closer we got to the season, it's like the only thing they did was this Christian Watson nonsense. You know, we were thinking yeah. Traylon Burks or you know yeah. one of these guys is going to end up in Green Bay, and none of it. Um, yeah, it might be it might be the fucking Alan Lazard show, which is absolutely bonkers. But in in Arizona. Uh, you know, Kyler has been, you know, uh, a little bit petulant and why the fuck not? I mean, he gets his opportunity to get his money, go right ahead. I mean, he wants a contract. I don't want to ever blame these guys, but for, as we look at it in fantasy, uh, is there anything that we should be concerned about with Kyler going forward? I mean, add that to the fact that he's fucking 142 pounds and if he gets hurt very easily, right? No, I'm not concerned at all. As I mentioned earlier in the show, man, Kyler is such a, a stud passer. He is. The legs are the legs are truly a compliment to how incredible he is as yes. a pure passer. Yes. Um, this is where 
you know, imagine if he was, imagine if he was at least five foot five, how much better he would actually be. Right. But you look at, you look at his performance last year, I mean, you know, number three in true passer rating, top 10 in accuracy rating, number one in true completion percentage, number one in deep ball completion percentage. Yeah. I mean, number four in rush attempts. So he's blending upside, you know, rushing with, you know, elite level passing. And now he gets Marquise Brown, who he has rapport with, who was dominant last year downfield. I think it's going to be a great combination. Um, I think this unlocks other guys in this offense, which I think we're going to talk about as well. Plus DeAndre Hopkins suspended for the first six games of the year for something that he claims he, he watches everything that goes into his body. He had no idea that he had consumed anything that had anything in it. Listen, I eat all the protein bars in the world. I drink all the drinks in the world. There's no fucking way that you could test me and ever find a PED in my system. There's, I, I would know. They're like, hey, eat this shotgun shell. I'd go, why? This seems weird. They go, no, eat this. Right? Like, then they would test and they go, yeah, there's an abnormality in your system. Like, you would know right. if you got a needle or if it's something you consume. Like, how the fuck is this possible? It's not. It's, it's not. not. It's all bullshit. But it, but but God bless him. You know he's just out there doing his best. He's gonna miss the first six games. Kyler's gonna go off, and I think it opens up the door for Zach Ertz for me. Yes. Um, you know Zach Ertz. Uh, you know I think I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but his his end of season pace would have made him like the tight end five or four. Um, you know because once he got once he got moved to Arizona, he it was just on. And so I think with especially with DeAndre Hopkins out. Uh, look, I think Kyler really, really liked Zach Ertz. And I think Zach Ertz, they rewarded him with a contract, which means they feel like he still got some left. That yeah. wasn't like his swan song last year. Uh, getting a new contract usually means they they believe in you. So, yeah, you put A.J. Green out there as literally uh, fucking, you might as well just put a cardboard cutout of a player out there. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, Marquise Brown will stretch the field. And I don't know, does this open any door for Rondale Moore as a slot? Or should we pour some dirt on that shit? Okay, remind me about the cardboard cutout thing. Uh, just, just, I would yeah. <laughs> put a pin in it. I would, uh, I would pour some dirt on Rondale, possibly. I mean, the Marquise Brown thing it was very be a lot cool. of dirt. Just a little no, bit. it would. Yeah, it'd be like a Dixie cup of dirt over his small grave, the size of a sardine can. But yeah, you <laughs> look, Ertz. <laughs> Ertz already <laughs> feel like a little it. worm farm, you know, just yeah, exactly. Just, little... just, yeah, you would just hand dig it. Of yeah. course. Right? <laughs> no shovel, just a little, <laughs> just, yeah, was... yeah, just hand dig it loosely with your palm. Um, <laughs> that's correct. What a, what a bit. So, uh, yeah. So he finished last year as the tight end five overall. He did. And, and currently in the underdog seasonal ADP, he's going as the tight end, 10 overall. So yeah, with a top 10 or top five finish last year, 112 targets last year, Deandre Hopkins missing time last year and the obvious nature that this offense is going to, you know, is going to be pass heavy for sure. Um, He's an absolute smash. And I think people are fearful because of the age. You know, we look at tight ends and, and tight ends, some good tight ends do play you know, much further into their careers. Guys like uh, Gonzalez is obviously a good example of a guy that played well into his career. But Ertz is Ertz is silently one of the most productive tight ends that I've ever seen. I mean, right. there, there was a bit of a fall off, but 
Ertz has been such a good player. Um, and so you look at him in this offense. Yeah, he finally, you finally get a, an offense that's utilizing him again the way that we had hoped. Really started to turn it on towards the end of the year. You know, target share was way up there. If you play in tight end premium leagues, production was even better than what you're seeing here. Um, so yeah, he's a smash at the tight end 10 and ADP. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I, I, back to the, the sprouting Rondell Moore, um, out of the, out of the dirt. Can he, can he find his way through the soil and onto the, onto the positive a dot? You know I mean? I think what was his like negative 1.2 a dot. And I mean, he just was awful last year, uh, after actually showing some flashes for a couple games early, um, can that change? I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I, I said last year, I think it was actually on the show we did. I was like, if he can just be like a, a hopped up, like Julian Edelman type, where he doesn't have to be down the field too much, but just, just with that quickness in the middle of the field, you'd think he could get open here and there. Um, I just don't know. They didn't use him like that uh, or, or like anything that we really want to see in the NFL. And I don't know why I, I, I just can't figure it out. I mean, you know, so many people liked him as a prospect. Film guys liked him. It wasn't like it was just us analytics guys who liked his, you know, freshman year dominance. I saw guys yeah. who were like, no, this kid can play. Yeah, he's going to be a slot, but he can play. He didn't play in 2021. I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm just now, I'm just, might be galaxy brain. And I might just it. be way out there. But has has anybody asked the question if maybe Kyler can't see him? It, it's fucking crazy, right? I mean, seriously. Has it come up yet? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, Kyler's it's fucking... It's a good question. I they mean, can't see each other. They're just... It's like, he can't see over the line. He can't see... I mean, it, it is... It's kind of a... Yeah, they're like a dog looking through the slats of a fence. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Like, it's neither like, one can... It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, like a memory what, game. Close your eyes. All right, yes. Move shit around. Where was it before? That's exactly yeah, I, right. You know, well, Wow, we have really beat down Rondale Moore in this. Um, I, you know, with Moore, yeah, I think the departure of Christian Kirk obviously going to be a big help. No, no more of that competition necessary for those slot snaps. So, look, they fumbled the Andy Isabella pick. Some people are like, "Oh shit, they fumbled this pick as well." I, I think we're all big fans of Rondale Moore, so I'm not ready to quit on him yet. But it costs. He's so inexpensive in Dynasty. Yeah. I mean, after one year, yeah. after one year, he's getting like the three year haven't fired yet treatment. Yes. Um, you know, after missing, you know, he played 14 games last year, but it's, it, it's really crazy how a guy with this profile got one year and then everybody said, I quit. Fuck this. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah out. It's true. And, and it's probably, I mean, it's probably a, 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 a very good buy because like, as you point out, what's it going to cost a third or something? I don't know. Like fucking that's probably it. You probably could right. send a single third round pick and get Rondell Moore from some teams. And I mean, it's absolutely po- especially if it's 2023. Like, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I don't I mean, any fucking 20. A lot of times I'll just, you know, any 2020. I mean, any third round pick. I mean, 24, 22, any goddamn third round pick probably will get them. Well, I mean, as you said it, though, think. I mean, think about it. As you said it, were you kind of like, eh, kind of yes. want to keep the third? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the, point. That's the problem. That should be able to easily get them. So, like, yeah, you know, if, if it doesn't get them, then definitely don't pay any more. Um, right. One of my favorite players, uh, you know, and I looked at it, I have like one share in all my leagues is Keontae Ingram. Yeah. Um, I, I just wasn't able to get him in so many spots. I actually did a little research as to why the hell I don't have him. And it's pretty crazy. I don't think I'll share it right now because it's not that interesting. But it was just interesting. Like, you know, every time I'd pick, it was like by the time I picked next, he was fucking gone. And every person I picked, 
you know, ahead of him would be like Jalen Tolbert late second. And I think a lot of leagues I was in, uh, Keontae went early third. Uh, he did not slip to the fourth. And I don't think, well, I don't think any single draft I was in. Keontae Ingram is an injury away or is he? Uh, he's probably an injury away from splitting time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That That's where it comes down to where it's one of those situations where as long as James Conner is healthy, he's going to be the guy, right? He's earned yes. it. He's proved it. He's going to be the guy. People can, can fill his role like a stepdad, but it's never going to truly be the guy. And then Agreed. when, when he's healthy again, he's back everybody in. back out. So yep. it, yeah, I think that's the concern. But with that being said, when you play dynasty, these are the kind of guys that when they pop off a little bit, or if he's more, let's say Connor goes down when Connor is a fragile asset. Yes. If it, you know, one of the more likely guys to get hurt, um, if he does go down and it's now between Williams and Keontae Ingram, like if Ingram starts showing out a little bit, there is a scenario where if it's a multi-week injury, yes, Ingram does get starter snaps. Yes, he does get Possible. you know 65% snap share or something like that. And he could be a viable asset. And maybe at that point you do sell him to a team or he helps you get by if, if you're struggling. But when it's guys like him, you're getting him in, I think it was third round of rookie drafts, fourth round. I mean, this was not a deep class. So right. you're you're going to make your money back if he starts some games for you in the third. But if I could flip him for a future third, I would be all over it because the reality is this is a guy that probably never ascends to the top of this depth chart, just like everybody was beating a drum for Eno Benjamin. Now, they're, now they can't find their fucking drumstick, right? right? So, but with, with Ingram, it's like, he has the potential. He has a profile. I think he went a little later in the draft than maybe some people even had anticipated because yeah. of the profile. But with that being said, he's behind Connor, big contract, been productive. Likelihood is just, you know, partial starter snaps. Yeah, and and now seemingly behind Daryl Williams. It would it would it would seem like Daryl Williams is the veteran protection against James Connor's inevitable injury. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I feel like James Conner is like one of the more like locked in players to probably get in- injured this coming season. Um, and I think Daryl Williams is that player there. You're right. Eno Benjamin, certainly not a, uh, uh, you know, an impediment to Keontae Ingram's uh, opportunity. I do think Daryl Williams is though. Uh, Keontae is one of those guys that like you say, if he's lightning in a bottle, if he's all yeah. of a sudden like, holy shit, this guy's actually good, then he can he can work his way into a, a real role. But uh, again, you know, draft capital is going to prevent him from b- being buoyed to any sort of opportunity uh, after, you know, James Conner's healthier. You know, th- this is a type of play, too, where James Conner, you know, snaps an ACL, they, like, go get somebody, too. You know, it's not like yeah. there's going to be like, oh, fuck, I guess it's Ingram. You know, that's just – it is funny how that is. You know, as much as I like that player and the prospect – uh, yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't go out to best case scenario in these, in these situations for sure. No, the, and there's, there's just no way to do it right. And James, but James Connor, for sure. I mean, guys never had one season where he's played a complete season without injury. I've got a monitor turned sideways and all of his injuries are actually like beyond the view of the screen. Mm. It's how many that we're seeing right now. So when you've got that kind of track record with an injury history, you're a good bet. And I don't have any injury probability metrics. I don't have, 
you know, I go to my doctor and ask him about football players. That's just, you know, that's, that's my, it's my play, right? Set up a consultation yeah. and pick his brain, A, B him on some questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, what's wrong sure. with you, Nate? Uh, nothing at all. I just want to get in here and talk about James Conner. Uh, let hey, me show you, you this, this list of previous injuries. What do you think, sir? <laughs> watch this clip of the ankle. I just, what do you think it is? Is that high ankle? I knew yeah. it. High ankle. That's what I've been telling everybody. It's high ankle. Sell. Uh, yes. Think about that, guys. Free tip there. Insurance will cover that. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's a it's a wild backfield, but I think that's the true outcome for Keontae Ingram. Uh, worth the copay for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> you know, we've we've reached the end of this program. I'm on, you know, vacation you know, from locations unknown recording this show. Yeah. You were kind enough to join us. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, how many points are the Celtics going to win game six and game seven by just quick prediction? Uh, I could see them losing game six. Agreed. I know by seven points. Oh no. Is that what's going to happen? Close one. Yeah. yeah they're going to lose the fucking finals on their home court. Yep. They're losing at home. God damn it, Nate. I don't know. Sorry, man. man. I Steph know, is look, determined. I'm... He's determined right now. He was 0 for 9 from three-point land. How determined was that? How Listen. bad was that fucking... Ugh. I mean, that well, that game really hurt my sensibilities, brother. <laughs> I mean, really, like... we, we, we allowed 50 points in the paint, 18 turnovers, missed free throws. We went 0 for 12 from three to start the game. I mean, I was like, do you guys even want to win at all? I mean, it was just brutal. Oh, Steph, 0 for 9, and uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I just... Man, oh man. Well, it makes it especially difficult, uh, you know, when you when you open up the series the way that they did. Yeah. And then it all just seems to just kind of erode from there. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's rough, man. But this this Celtics team, that's how they played, you know, all year. It's like, you know, it's a Jekyll and Hyde team where like they'll play and you're like, oh, my God, it's the greatest team I've ever seen. And then you're like, they can't get the ball over half court like they're a fucking sixth grade team. You're like, what is going on? Why are you guys? They'll throw it off each other's head. You're like, what are you guys doing out there? So, yeah, they just do the most ridiculous things. And and then somehow they just have the grit and determination to pull it out. I mean, they did it against Milwaukee. You know, yep. having to go on the road and win win a big game six. So, look at the end of the day, I think they can they can get this done, but it's gonna be it's gonna be some tough sledding. So, um, you know, the first first step first, win game six. This 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 uh this episode will come out probably just before game six. So you guys okay. can listen to how fucking desperate I am, and then watch myself get fucking smoked at home. But we're hoping, we're hoping, and uh, uh, you know, all we need is LeBron on this team, and we're gonna win it, right? Yeah, exactly. Why didn't you guys go out and get him? Big fucking mistake on your part. Thank you. Hey, not a big mistake was having you on the pod. Tell everybody where they can find you right now because, uh, you know, they should be. They should be finding you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, obviously on Twitter, at an outrage Jew. Doesn't feel weird when I say it. Uh, on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Nate Liss. Um, that's where I'm doing most of my stuff nowadays. You know, I, I tweet informational stats, have fun on Twitter, but the stuff that I'm really putting my time into right now is over there. Um, and if you go to my bio and Twitter, I have a discord, which I'm pretty active in. So if you guys ever want to interact, um, on a, a more personal level, it's a great place to find me. If you interact with me like a dick on Twitter, typically you get muted. Um, I will go back and forth though. If it's fun, you don't get muted. If you're an asshole, like a guy before this show, you get muted. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I, I totally agree with the Twitter thing. Like, just, you know, don't be a complete dick. And it's yeah. pretty fun. Like, you could call me out on takes and stuff. But if you're just like a complete douche nozzle, like, yeah, you're just, I mean, I don't have time for that. Yeah. I'm having too much fun with all these other assholes, you know? Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a ton so of fun assholes. Why you got to be the worst one? Get out of here. 
Yep. So uh, with that, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I love potting with you. You know, it's probably one of those things I'll say it here. You know, it's probably one of those things where like, um, I listened to the show that you and Matt do the Sonic truth, great dynasty show. I'll plug it again. Cause you're awesome. And I listen and I think I fucking, I love Nate. Cause you do such a great job of counter, uh, counterbalancing Matt and the way that he, that he, uh, pods. And I'm sure a lot of us feel the same way. Like, dude, I'd love to talk to that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, just so good. So I appreciate you giving me nice, that man. dream come true. Appreciate it, man. Good. It's it's always fun coming on. Like I said, I I probably won't do a feature until that. Well, actually, no. I got a feature set up in like two weeks, so that would be a lie. But you lied to I, me last I, year, so it's okay. I did lie to you last year. I haven't done a show since our last show, man. So I appreciate you bringing me on, man. You're a great host. It's always fun. The show is. I just appreciate that you're a little bit looser about stuff. I go on so many shows where it's so static. Yeah. Um, and I think the days of long form written content and static conversation is just so dead to me. You got to have more fun yeah. um, and infuse that entertainment with that content that helps people, you know, find actionable, useful information. Um, and very clearly, man, just this show sheet that you put together had a lot of great questions made me think as I was writing it up. So I, it was a lot of fun, man. Awesome, man. I, I can't, I can't thank you enough, man. I, it, it does yeah. mean a lot to me to hear things like that. And uh, with that, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody at the Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest producer the world has ever known, Michael P. Duncan, on behalf of the great outraged Jew, Nate Liss, I am Jax Falcone, and we are...